0: Relay FM. this is Upgrade, episode 275. Today's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN, Eero, and ID Tech. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike
1: Hurley. How are you?
0: I'm very well, my friend. I have a hashtag snow Talk question for you. Okay, when let's it do it. It comes from Arthoma, who wants to know... When Jason reads books on his Kindle, does he use page turning or infinite scrolling? So,
1: yeah, is this is this Arthoma? I think maybe I don't know. I don't know. Um, I um, went
0: with Arthoma. Uh,
1: arthoma, sure. It could be sure. Arthoma, well, Arthum A. I don't know, but that was Arthum A. Yeah, sure. All right. The answer is this is a trick question because while infinite scrolling is a feature that's available on the Kindle app for iOS, where you just keep scrolling like it's a very long web page. On uh, hardware Kindles, you just turn the page. I don't think there's any anything. Oh. The, the screen doesn't refresh at any, any rate that would allow you to do that. Uh, but that's fine because I don't like it. <laughs> I, the whole idea is that I keep turning the pages. I don't, I'm not interested in scrolling. And so when I am reading a Kindle book on my iPhone, which I do occasionally if I'm out somewhere and I've got time where I'm, I just have to wait and I'll read my book. Um, I use page turning on that too because I find the infinite scrolling, I end up like scrolling up and down and can I scroll it a little bit and all that? And I I just, I don't like that. I like the idea of like, I just turn the page to the next page. So, uh, but on the hardware Kindle, uh, you know, there's no infinite scrolling. You just turn the page. Can
0: I ask you a question with your Kindle? Do you Mm -hmm. uh, do the thing where it refreshes the page every time or like once every few times? Because the the e-ink can refresh less now, right?
1: I think I have it set to refresh every few times. Yeah. um, Just because it makes it, uh, the page turns generally faster, but every now and then it needs to blank. The screen but I don't even notice whatever my setting is I don't even notice I've been reading on an e ink reader so long now that uh every now and then somebody will say oh you know it does that flash or or whatever and i I guess yeah I don't know i i don't i don't notice it anymore i'm I'm used to it now that's what how books work
0: <laughs> thank you so much to of Art Homer uh, for the hashtag Snell sure. talk question. If you would like to uh, have a question answered to start an episode of Upgrade, just send out a tweet with the hashtag Snell talk. And we'll move into some follow-up. We've got lots of Apple Arcade recommendations. Um, I s- selected five that we received uh, multiple nominations for the games that we should be trying out. I've yet to play any of them, uh, but they are now all downloaded. Um, Neocab, Sneaky Sasquatch, Tint, Inmost and Mosaic, they were the games that people recommended trying out, and I had only heard of two of them, so it kind of bears the point that like, there are games in that library that you may have missed, um, right. so that there's a selection of them. Um, you know, people recommended some other games, but they were like the big ones like Oceanhorn, which we didn't mention, but like you couldn't have been on Apple Arcade and not seen Oceanhorn 2 in there. It was like one of the most like one of the most popular games, so like one of the ones that Apple's really promoting. So I wanted to like recommend some from Upgradians uh-huh. that maybe had gone under the radar a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I have played Tint and uh it, it does have colorblind controls. We talked about it a while ago, and um I think it's uh, pretty good, although I find I, I found that it's I got confused about what its rules were when it started adding new rules. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started to realize I don't really understand some of the, the principles behind the the rule changes. The other thing as I've been playing some of these games that have been recommended that I've realized about myself is I don't think I have fully analyzed what it is that I'm looking for in a game. Like I know it when I see it. But I don't think, and I think this is actually would help me find more games, is if I had a better idea of what iPad games, essentially, I want, um, I would be better at shopping for them because right now I think I just kind of like, maybe I think I know what I want, but I don't really, and I download things and I try them, and um, there's a certain level of, of commitment that I, I want to have. And there's a certain level of focus and, you know, maybe things that are more puzzly things that are not kind of longer term commitments. I don't know. I I haven't figured it out quite yet, but it hit me while I was playing sneaky Sasquatch, uh, which is adorable and kind of interesting. And I played it for about five minutes or 10 minutes. And I thought, I don't think I want to play this anymore. Hmm. Not that it is a bad game, but game. I, I don't think it's what I'm looking for. Where I have to be like super focused on moving this guy around and solving levels, and if, you know, and and uh, not for me. And I don't know why. And I, so I need to I need to dwell on that a little bit more. Uh, what makes a game work for me and what doesn't? Because um, I think that's part of my problem.
0: Well, your favorite games are the Altos games and Mini Metro. So I would suggest that there is something about um being able to pick up and play whenever you want, right? Because you can dip in and out of those games really easily. They are both games that feel inherently level-based and endurance focused. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is a link there.
1: Yeah, you're there are other games that I also like though, but yeah. you're right there there is there is some commonality going on here. I think I honestly think that the biggest one is that I don't want to play a game that feels like it needs to dominate my time. That I need I need to invest a lot of time and I need to sit down for a lengthy stretch in order to mm-hmm. go through a level. Um that in, kind of out. Thing. It's the best thing I'm, about cause,
0: smartphone games, really.
1: Because even, even when I'm sitting at home on my iPad and I want to play a game, I don't want to play it for a long time. <laughs> I, I certainly don't want to feel like I have to commit to playing for it playing it for a yeah. long time yeah. right because if, if i end up loving it and i play it for a long time that's great but what i don't want to do is not tap the icon because i think uh do i really want to spend 15 minutes on this because guess what i don't i don't
0: so keep sending in suggestions if you come across them on apple arcade we'd love to hear them uh jason you remember on last week's episode i mentioned that we were talking about the home pod and i was saying i was having an issue with youtube and like mm-hmm. the audio not playing from youtube through to the home pod I had a few upgradians reach out and say, it is possible, but you what you have to do is uh, you open the YouTube app, then you press the, uh, you, you long press the, the TV button, right, to bring up the control center, go into the audio settings, turn the HomePod, like, uncheck the HomePod and check it again, and then you will be able to use the HomePod with the YouTube app and the YouTube video audio will play through the HomePod. Totally works, but it's still super buggy. But at least I know a way to work, make it work now. So,
1: uh, you had some follow out, right? I do, I do to a uh, a podcast you may be familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, connected last week, great discussion um, about specifically about the awards that Apple gave out in their award thing that they did, and and the apps that they chose. And it's a really good discussion because Federico especially knows so much about the app world it's one of his uh, things that he and his site focus on it's like all the different apps they cover all of these apps and then you see the awards and he was frankly baffled by a lot of the choices by a lot of the decisions about like highlighting you know this is a great ipad game that's just a port from another platform instead of a, a game that's more native to the ipad and uh and and the decisions about like why would you do one game in this category but why why not these other games? or why would you take uh, this incredibly popular watch app but not have a watch category or an Apple TV app category? like he he knows he knows too much about it. <laughs> yeah. And so he looks at the because, I, I mean, this is the truth of it. this I, I think he's right in his theory, that this was... I mean, I think he said came through at the last minute. I'm not sure if that's true, but the idea that it didn't get the amount of consideration and time that it deserved, mm-hmm. I think he's right uh, in, in some way or another because he he's looking at it and saying...
0: We're talking about Apple's best of the year apps yeah. and games, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah so uh, he's not... Um, he 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 doesn't think they make sense because he knows so much about the category that he looks at it and goes why would you choose that that's not a good example of it it why why did you not choose in this category and of course this isn't the oscars they can make they can make up awards like we did at the Eddie awards for years she's like just make up you just say who you want to honor and then you honor them it's apple's award thing they can make up categories as they want but they they uh so federico says why did you not honor this and why did you honor this weird choice but the one thing that I think went a little unsaid in the conversation that I wanted to add is the difference between editorial and marketing awards. Because Federico especially, but all three of you guys, you're editorially driven. You are looking through the lens of somebody who is an independent observer and saying, in this example, what are the best apps? What's the most worthy app or game this year, what is the best representation of the platform? And you know, is is a real iPad app or whatever your your judgment is? And you can there are different ways to define it that you can choose. But you're really choosing. You know, when Federico expresses frustration, I think a lot of it is um, he's looking at this and being like, well, but this doesn't make any sense because he's thinking what. What's worthy of an award? What's the best? And the truth is that although Apple styles these things as awards, the fact is it's a marketing exercise. This is promotion for Apple's platforms. It is uh, developer relations promotion to get developers excited because some of, some developers got honored, but it is also to show off how amazing their platform is and say, look how great we are. Look at these great apps. Isn't the Apple's ecosystem great? And although Apple employs in the App Store group, editorial people quote unquote editorial people the fact is that you know those people and i know some of those people it's marketing it's a marketing job they are marketing apps now that they, they can do it in a good way they can highlight there's a lot of uh marketing content that can be useful in high whether it's how-tos or highlighting apps that you might not uh, have heard of that are worth looking at but um you know It's marketing, and marketing decisions have to do with the face that Apple wants to put forward. Uh, So they're they're making decisions based on how they want to market themselves, not based on what the best app is. And and I think, I feel like there are stark differences there, and that was the source. It made me chuckle. That was the source of Federico's frustration. But I, I think it comes from a legitimate place, which is, let's not forget, Apple is not picking awards because this thing is the best they're picking awards based on a more complicated formula that involves things being good involves developers that they have relationships with uh, I don't I don't know for a fact whether apple promises awards to developers as part of their uh, deal i would guess not but it, it could because this is not some sort of sacrosanct process and at the end of it um they're going to pick ones that make a- apple look good this is not like apple has gone and found an independent panel to choose awards that's not what's going on it's a marketing yeah. exercise i think so, one of
0: the things that really perplexed federico was that uh, the moleskin app flow i think it's called yeah. one an Ada and an App of the Year awards, which seems a little right. bit redundant, considering how many apps are available.
1: Yeah, and I—I I mean, I've seen this from from another perspective too, which is like I've gotten a lot of app marketing over the years, and I found I've always found it to be one of the most perplexing parts of Apple's PR strategy. Um, and maybe I'm not sure if they're sending me things anymore. Maybe they don't like, they, they know that I don't write about them anymore, but Apple has always been, um, for a long time anyway, been good at the kind of like, Oh, here's a collection of apps for this holiday. Maybe you could write about them. And it's literally, there's no news there. It's literally, Hey, the 4th of July is coming up. Here are some apps related to the 4th of July. And you know, this is like that. This is, is, is like that it, it's, all about creating a conversation about stuff that's in Apple's ecosystem. It reflects well on Apple. It does benefit those developers. I'm unclear on exactly what the relationship is. Like the Moleskin stuff, like they also pushed Moleskin stuff on, at the keynote. And I I saw the Moleskin stuff Later, And it doesn't mean that it's not good. It's just that it's also part of a marketing push. Apple has decided that it's useful for it to be marketed. So, you know, it's just, I. I it was a really good conversation because I thought it, it perfectly elaborated like the tension between um, Apple's goals with this thing as a marketing vehicle that is dressed in award clothing like a panel or some other kind of independent body made choices. Uh, and that that's because it's not. It's marketing. And and Federico looks at it and says, well, these are awards. They don't make any sense. And Apple looks at it as not that, I think. So it was a good conversation, and, uh, and I liked it. And I really liked... I, I get excited when I hear somebody who's very knowledgeable kind of go off about... Uh, something that doesn't make sense because they know all the details and mm-hmm. then they look at this thing and they go that I don't, what is happening here? And that was Federico to a T in that conversation. It was great.
0: I think it's this week uh, Max Stories are publishing their selects, which is their awards of the year. I think that's coming up this week. So I think all of this stuff had been particularly in Federico's mind about thinking about what the best apps of the year are. And I'm expecting that none of the apps that Apple awarded would be like on his list this is i don't know i don't know what his list is but like that's my assumption It's just like this doesn't make any sense to me uh i see i think it, it actually might not be this week it's sometime over the next couple of weeks um that they're, they're doing their max story selects and so i just thought it was uh it was funny to hear him talk about that and as i said to him on the show i look forward to crit- to critiquing his uh award selections mm. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Talking about awards, the best awards of the year are upcoming the Upgradees. Uh, you can go to vote. Cost your nominations for the upgradies who you would like to win in each category i have a piece of information i've decided on a closing date jason for nominations this year it's going to be okay. december 24th that is when the, the nominations will close for the upgradies this year for the 2019 upgradees. so go to upgradies.vote and you can make your nominations you don't have to make a nomination for every category none of the the questions are uh, required so you can just make votes for whatever categories you have answers for. Uh, one of the reasons we ask for your nominations is because me and Jason don't necessarily have nominations for every category, so it always helps. If you want to get some inspiration, if you want to see uh, who's won in the past, you can go to upgradies.com where we have, uh, by year and by category, a list of every winner of an upgrady award and the runners-up in each category
1: for each year as well. So you can go there and see all of that. Should we yeah. do some upstream? News? yeah we should it's been it's been uh it's been quiet in the uh the upstream uh world lately but we've got yeah. a little bit
0: yeah i wanna um wrap up a few things because there, there just hasn't been a lot of like huge stuff that I wanted to talk about that either of us wanted to talk about but there is some some small headlines around Apple TV Plus in general uh, two new shows have launched in the last couple of weeks there is Servant which is the uh, M. Night Shyamalan thriller show um, about like it's a thriller horror I think about uh, a couple who have lost a child and they have a kind of like a service like doll um, and I assume creepy things happen <laughs> Uh, and then truth be told which is the podcast which premise i thought was hilarious but then when i watched the trailer looked really interesting which is a it is a it is a show about a true crime podcast
1: um my friend aaron bernhardt who's a tv critic um he he's been really negative about the apple tv plus shows and he thinks that truth be told is the best one they've done Hmm. i think he phrased it as the first good apple tv plus show which is really mean and i don't agree with but i am intrigued i am intrigued by uh that and i'm interested in watching it because yeah it's a it's an anthology show so every season would be about a different story but it is it is essentially crime story told through lens of true crime podcast and apparently it's very good so i'm gonna look at that uh maybe over the holiday break
0: Features Octavia Spencer, uh, yep. Aaron Pauls in it as well, uh, Lizzie hmm. Kaplan. Uh, Octavia Spencer, who plays the podcaster, uh, is maybe the only podcaster ever that uses Beats headphones when they record. Uh, I guess unless you sit down with Apple in their interview spaces, then I'm sure you use Beats headphones as well. Uh, Apple have also bought the rights to a Billie Eilish documentary. So Billie Eilish, uh, the musical artist who picked up basically all of Apple's Apple Music Awards, they have now now picked up a documentary that's been made about her, uh, which will be showing on TV Plus at some point. There is a new Oprah Winfrey project announced. So if you remember, Oprah Winfrey's projects span far and wide with Apple TV Plus in the overall deal. And one of the projects is a documentary about sexual assault in the music industry. So that's currently begun work. And Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston and The Morning Show itself receive Apple's first Golden Globes nominations. So luckily for them, they got some. I mean, they needed really to have at least something and they did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and you you couple this with the fact that their one of their Oscar bait things was this uh, this movie that they delayed, which I'm not sure if we talked about that we or didn't not. Talk
0: about this, The Banker, but right?
1: The Banker, and it got delayed, uh, it very weirdly handled. Because what happened was the week before the movie was to uh, come out in theaters, so that they could screen it in theaters, so that they could potentially get Oscar nominations. Um, it, very very strange story because it's like the daughter. Of it's the granddaughter of the main character in the book, I think, and in the movie. Um, And she was, she said that one of the sons, who is a character in the movie, but like it's not. My understanding is it's not about that. There was a story in I think the Washington Post that was like, "Here's why Apple pulled the release of this movie." And the the story did not answer the question, Um, (laughs) because it sounds to me like uh, this woman complained saying that one of the sons of the character in the movie. Uh, sexually assaulted her, I think. Uh, some some form of sexual misconduct, and uh, that she is offended that they're telling this story about her family, and that that uh, I think there's a complaint about her not being involved, and um, and that the they should be able to control their story. Mm-hmm. And what's weird about it is, um, I'm unclear if there are any complaints about the content. No, no. It, from my understanding, right? from
0: reading as you have, is that. Um, the person who's come forward, who is a family member, right? Like the sexual assault was all in the family, uh, and they're saying that that they, they should not be telling these stories. It's also based on a on a, a overall telling of the
1: family's history, right? Uh, and so, so yeah. this is this is the weird point: is it sounds like this person is. Um, upset about the fact that Apple made a deal with a portion of the family to tell this story and that they don't like that person who made the deal, but but it's not really about the story. There are also some accusations of inaccuracy, but the
0: sexual abuse stuff is the main thing. And this is from Cynthia Garrett, who is Garrett Jr.'s half uh,
1: sibling. So what, so this is my feeling about it. It's like, if the movie's inaccurate, then maybe worth Taking a pause and dealing with it. But, you know, the first stories about this made it sound like, oh, it turns out that dumb old apple they bought a movie because they bought this at a film festival they bought a movie where the main character is now accused of sexual assault and so like this this movie is a is a disaster and they've lionized this guy and he's all it's like well no actually that's not true it's uh it's his son and it's not what the movie's about and it's kind of over here on the side and it so it's a a muddy kind of uh yep. water for this whole it's thing difficult. and there are some yeah. there are some I've seen different takes in various Hollywood, uh, you know, industry uh, websites saying things like, uh, there was a there was a piece, I'm not sure if it was a Hollywood Reporter or a Variety, but it was a piece that said basically, some people in Hollywood are like, yeah, you gotta you gotta do you gotta pull it, they should have done better due diligence. And then there are other people who are like, look, stuff like this comes up all the time. It doesn't directly impact the content of the movie. You just gotta soldier on, otherwise you'll never release anything. And I think the bigger story here is not uh, you know, who's right there. I think the bigger story is Apple has not had to deal with this stuff before and is figuring it out.
0: And this is this stuff is more difficult for Apple. Yeah, because people are always wanting to write stories about this kinds of like about Apple doing wrong. And so sure. they're always going to struggle with this more than maybe some other companies would. And the way that they handle these things is going to be very important for them going forward.
1: Right. So I'm not entirely convinced that they did the right thing here, although I think taking a pause and trying to figure out what's going on is probably not a bad idea. But I think
0: halting and just waiting was the right thing to do, that they now have to, to look into it and, whatever, and deal with it however they want to. Forging ahead would have been a mistake
1: what they've lost is their Oscar timing, which is what they really yeah. wanted to do is they wanted to release this in December in theaters so that they it would be Oscar nominatable because we've talked about the golden globes and that's why I brought it up. This was supposed to be their Oscar bait and um, they are going to have to wait. They're going to miss this year. Yeah. They're going to miss because they're not going to be able to do that. But um, it's an interesting story. It's com- it's complicated. And um, I, I, you know, we didn't, report on it here other than sort of like a brief glancing mention of it but what i would say is everything i've read about it suggests that this is a complex story that i think most people have heard of in passing and don't understand just that it's not a very simple oh look at apple they really screwed this one up it's like "Mm." you know first off they didn't make the movie they bought it, and second off, the accusations are very specific and not necessarily what you think they are, mm-hmm. um, and that yeah, maybe Apple is right to have paused it, or maybe they overreacted, and there are different differing opinions about that, but regardless, it's something that Apple has to deal with now because they're in this business and that they weren't in before yeah, it's
0: like i don't would I don't even know if vetting of this story would have necessarily brought this out. It could have been, you know, I don't know. It, it seems like a very difficult thing to, to right, try because this the,
1: This particular controversy seemed to come out very specifically the week before the movie came out. So what were they now? And, and I don't know if I've seen anything like were they tr- desperately trying to reach the producers and reach Apple and warn them and say, you're making a mistake here? Mm-hmm. Or did they just lie back until they could sort of maximize the impact of their announcement? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, the bigger, and again, we're not here to actually render those judgments now, but we are here to say, here's an example of Apple having to navigate something they didn't used to have to navigate because they're in this business now. Swiss
0: television service Salt haven't launched an alternative Apple TV remote. Salt is one of the companies that switch is a cable company, a cable TV provider, I think they have fiber, but it doesn't matter, that they have uh, switched to issuing Apple TV 4K boxes instead of their own cable boxes. Where there's a bunch of companies in Europe that are doing this. But after an increasing amount of customer complaints about the remote, they have worked with Apple to create a new remote that has actual buttons on it it doesn't require any pairing. It just works straight out of the box. And it costs around $20. But you can only get it if you're a customer of Salt Inn in Switzerland.
1: Switzerland. And uh, and no Siri button because they don't have Siri.
0: There's no Siri uh, for Apple TV in
1: Switzerland. So imagine the being told by your partner that they're happy to... Standardize on Apple TV for their cable box, but you gotta do something about your remote control. <laughs> mm-hmm. Imagine that. Well, you know this is this is the thing I
0: found funny. If that had come up before the deal, the deal probably never would have been done. Right. But now it's too late. Salt got into Bird of Apple and then it came back to bite them, so now they had to yeah. make it a new remote.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's kinda of fascinating. I don't know. I got a uh I got an Apple or not an Apple T V four K. I got a uh Fire Amazon Fire TV stick four K version. This weekend because mm-hmm. it was twenty five dollars, and I have a four K TV that doesn't have an Apple TV attached to it. Um, my old four K TV, which is now a the video game TV, um, non HDR. It's got some weird things. Anyway, it's good for video games. It's fine. Um, and that's in my daughter's uh, bedroom. And so when she's home for a break and all of that, like when she was home at Thanksgiving, she was like, "Can I watch Disney Plus on here? Can I watch Apple TV on here?" And I said, "No, I don't have. I only have like." You could launch the Xbox and download an app there, and it's like that wasn't going to happen. Um, and so, twenty-five bucks, put this on there. Uh, and uh, one, what I was struck by is, yeah, it's got a regular remote with buttons mm-hmm. and stuff. Yep. And uh, I've gotten used to the Apple TV remote, but I think the challenge is that it's so different. And even if it was good, like it's so different that there's a learning curve there that's gonna that's gonna bug people. But we have so many people have been clicking buttons on remotes for so long now that. I think the we have to chalk the Apple TV remote up to being another one of these. It doesn't come up as much as it should, but it's like in this mid-2010s era Apple design where they decided that they were going to push design forward and drag customers with them, mm-hmm. and the customers resisted. So. Yeah. I still get frustrated by it. I, I know exactly how to use my Apple TV remote and I still get frustrated by it. Uh, missed, you know, accidental swipes, getting the orientation upside down. Um, and then also apps behaving differently. Like if I if I do the hold down on the, you know, move the thumb to the side and then click to go forward or, or to uh, on the left side to back up. Um, some apps honor that in ways others don't. Um, different apps, when you touch the touch surface will bring up information, but you, some of them auto dismiss it. Some of them don't auto dismiss it and you have to press a button or tap the track pad space again to make them go away. And it, until you learn what that app does, you're doing things wrong. <laughs> and like, oh, do I press, can I press the menu button to get out of here? Nope. That just closed the app. Oh, okay. That's not what I needed to do. Do I tap? Do I tap again? How do I get the Amazon x-ray stuff off the screen? Like, it's just, it's not, it's not great. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> because breaking news: the Apple TV remote, not good. No.
0: The CBS Viacom merger is closed.
1: Yay! Yay! Not a lot to say here because this was uh, long in the in the planning, but. CBS and Viacom are now back to being one company again, which they were, and then they were split apart, but now they've been put back together. And so that means your uh, MTV, Comedy Central, Paramount Pictures kind of wing of Viacom and CBS and Showtime and the publisher, Simon & Schuster, they're all... Pushed back together now in one place, so they'll have the CBS All Access stuff. We'll presumably pick up a bunch of Viacom content, and we'll see what their uh, their strategy is going forward. They got a lot. Twenty twenty is going to be a big year. They've got a lot of uh, shows. They got, th- th- I think they're going to have three, two or three Star Trek shows next year on CBS All Access. There's a lot going on there, so. Uh, we'll keep our eye on it, but they, it's it's one company again. So they're they're a little bit bigger. There's still a small fry in the amid these gigantic conglomerates, but they are bigger than they used to be.
0: Let's talk about podcasts. So there yeah. have been more and more podcasts becoming Spotify exclusives or being created by Spotify. This has been a thing that's been going on for a while. But there has been a recent one, which is near and dear to my heart, which is making me very sad. Uh, there is a... A video game show uh, was previously, well, it was a Polygon show, um, which had Justin McElroy, Griffin McElroy, uh, Chris Plant, and Russ Frushtick. So they all worked at Polygon together before the McElroy brothers left Polygon. Uh, but before that, this was like a show that they did every week. It was called, It's called The Besties, and it was just four best friends talking about video games. It was great. Loved it. And then they stopped doing the show, but would bring it back every year to do a Game of the Year episode. Then a couple of days ago, uh, I was very excited to see the show pop up again as a notification overcast. Three episodes were published with new artwork. I was like, yes, the Besties is back. Turns out Besties is back, but from January 3rd, not only will it be a weekly show again, very excited, but it's going to be a Spotify exclusive. Mm. So I'm really Mm -hmm. upset about this because I'm now not going to listen to the show. Because it's not, and this isn't out of a like uh how dare you i would never type thing but i don't listen to my podcasts in spotify so i'm never going to remember to watch yeah. it or to listen to
1: yeah it. this is you and i talked about this um cuz i brought this up in the context of the athletic which is a subscription sports uh site and they do a bunch of podcasts and they have since we talked by the way they have brought some of them out of the uh, behind the paywall, although it's a weird thing where it's not all of them, including not the one I listen to. And it's uh, some weird thing where they're doing like, I think every other episode is running outside the paywall. But the point is, I pay for it and I don't listen to them, even though I want to. Because they're not in my podcast app, and I'm not going to keep switching apps to listen to different things in different places. My podcasts all live in Overcast, and that's just how it is. And I know that this is Spotify trying to give leverage, you know, to like, no, no, move all your podcasts inside, but uh, I'm not going to do that. Even if I pay for Spotify, I'm not going to move all my podcasts into Spotify. So some people will, but um, I saw somebody else was telling me how there's another... um, another podcast that they liked that was picked up and put inside the paywall so this is this is starting to happen where mm-hmm. spotify is making deals where they are pulling podcasts in, in the case of the besties it sounds like maybe the reason it's coming back and going weekly is because they got paid by spotify yeah, right because so it's a little I bit different
0: can't tell and i don't think it is related to polygon anymore the video game website owned by vox because it has none of their branding anywhere, and it was apparently by Spotify Studios. So I, I, I expect what's happened here is, well, considering only 50% of these people are employed by Polygon anymore, that Spotify has offered them a bunch of money, and they're doing the show. I mean, and we've spoken about this in the past. Po- I don't know that's the case, but I can't find anything that would suggest that this was a Vox Media product anymore. Their branding is not on it in
1: any way. right. Right. Um, so there, a deal was made here. So it's, it's, I made. think it's an important thing to, to mention that this isn't quite the same as a popular podcast being taken behind the paywall because it's sort of a dead podcast that is being revived yep. behind a paywall. Yep. But it's it's
0: like the middle ground, isn't it? Really? Yeah, but
1: I, I have heard of popular podcasts being pulled behind the paywall. And, you know, we talked about it here a while ago. It's just an interesting thing to ponder is like the business decision of doing that because what you're going to do is you're going to lose a huge number of your audience even if spotify is huge which it is like some percentage of your audience is not going to follow you behind mm-hmm. a paywall it's just not going to happen well, this is this and is it
0: right you've, you've got to hope that the deal that you've done is worth more than any advertising that you may not be able to get now because your audience could potentially be smaller because you've got to convince people to switch their podcast app exactly difficult. and
1: and if if that's a trade that you're willing to make um then you can make it but it it's a danger and you're also closing yourself off from discovery because i mean you you can get spotify discovery but the broader world of podcast discovery you're you're losing out so it's a um and and if how what percentage of your money is from things like live shows cuz Live shows are gonna not have as much of an audience either mm-hmm. because you've lost part of your audience. So it's it's this whole complicated calculation. I think it's a little bit easier to make it if you're the McElroys and you look at Besties and you and you you say to yourself, "Well, you know, we just can't do this. It's not worth it. The economics don't work." And then Spotify says, "We'll write you a check," and you say, "Oh, now the economics work. Right? Mm-hmm. That's easier. It's more complicated in other situations, but it's also yeah. It's just it's it's unfortunate." You and I agree on this point. It's unfortunate not because we think Spotify is evil.
0: Or that the podcasters
1: are doing bad. Get your payday, right? right? Like if it's coming to you, take it. For sure. It's unfortunate because it's siloing. Mm -hmm. And from a user experience standpoint, siloing stinks. And you're you're going, this is the equivalent of saying, hey, everybody, I know you liked my website, but um, my website's no longer going to be available. You need to download an app to read what I write. That's what this essentially is. It's I'm taking you out of the open world and putting you in my silo. Mm -hmm. And it's the only way because like as a as a newspaper subscriber or The Athletic, I can read that on the web. I can read that in their app. But for podcasting, you're saying I'm going to take you out of podcasts and put you in my my little app. And that's the only way you're going to be able to get it. And It kind of stinks. It would stink less if Spotify said, oh, if you uh, use Overcast, you just put in your Spotify username and password and subscribe to it in Overcast, but they're not going to do that because they not, want you to they yeah. want to force you to use their app. Spotify
0: yeah. are not looking to make money out of podcast advertising.
1: They are looking to be able to
0: produce content so you will pay for a Spotify subscription. That's the difference. Yep. So, you know, I, maybe every now and then, if there's a game I particularly am interested in hearing their thoughts on, I will think to myself, oh, I should go and check out, see if they spoke about it on Besties, but... You know, I, I just, I, I don't think this, it's just a shame, you know, but it, it is what it is. All right, let's take a break and thank our first sponsor, that is ExpressVPN. We all know how a VPN can protect your privacy and security online, but it can also take your TV watching to the next level by unlocking content and shows that are available in other countries. So for example, you might be able to use ExpressVPN VPN to go onto Netflix and you could watch Doctor Who and Star Trek in the from the UK Netflix if you're somewhere else in the world you just fire up the app change your location to the UK refresh Netflix and that is it ExpressVPN hides your IP address so you can control where you want sites to think you're located and you can choose from almost 100 different countries so think about all of the Netflix libraries you could go through if you love anime you could use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix but it's not just Netflix ExpressVPN can work of any streaming service like Hulu BBC iPlayer. YouTube, whatever you want. There are hundreds of VPNs out there. ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast though. So when you're watching shows, there's not going to be any buffering or lag and you can stream in HD. And ExpressVPN is compatible with all your devices, phones and media consoles, smart TVs and more. So you can watch what you want, wherever you want. So I am a big fan of me and my wife, you know, are a big fan of the Japanese TV show Terrace House. And it's a Netflix show. In Japan, they put new episodes of Terrace House up weekly, but outside of Japan, they they put them up in like big batches every few months, and there's the new batches coming out on December 24th, And but I thought to myself, oh, I could just use this, and now if we want to, we can watch Terrace House on a weekly basis with English subtitles by using Japanese Netflix, by using ExpressVPN that is really awesome so if you go to expressvpn.com upgrade right now you can get three extra months free with a one-year package support this show watch what you want and protect yourself now at expressvpn.com upgrade our thanks to expressvpn for their support of this show and relay fm so there was a rumor from Ming-Chi Kuo reporting that Apple will launch an iPhone without a lightning connector in 2021, saying it will be a, quote, completely wireless experience, suggesting that they will skip USB-C on the iPhone completely. Now, this feels like something which has been inevitable. I think we've always assumed that, like, it just seems like the most Apple slash Johnny I thing ever to just take a phone and remove all of the holes on it uh that right that just feels like something you've been expecting for a while that eventually they would just remove everything i think the headphone jack was probably when it really seemed like and then the inclusion of qi charging but this seems aggressive 2021 that feels aggressive to me maybe i'm just not ready
1: because i haven't Uh, embraced a There are a lot of issues here. I think that's one of the fascinating things about this story. If it's true, we have to sort of take it on its face and evaluate it for what it is. Ming Chi track record's pretty good. Not um, perfect, but but good. So my first question is why? Right? Like I, I know <laughs> seems obvious, but like let's ask that question. Why do you do this? Do you do this because ports, or as you said, <laughs> holes. Eliminate all the holes. Holes are inherently evil and must be removed as many places as possible. Donuts are not no longer being sold in the Apple cafeteria. Holes must go. Okay. So that's weird and very design-driven and not thinking of the consumer experience. And uh, Johnny Ive doesn't work at the company anymore, by the way. So I don't think that, that le- people would rather have, it would be in the end in everybody's best interest if there were no ports on a On an iPhone, that port's really tiny. It doesn't really matter. Like, I don't think that's sufficient. So the best I've been able to come up with, and I'd be interested if you've got any ideas too, the best I've been able to come up with is Apple has been pushing for a while on dust and water resistance. And yet, as we know, even though they talk about that that IP rating that the, the phone has, if you submerge your phone in the water and it dies because of a failure to something in in the internals that allows water to leak in and you take it to the Apple store and say, hey, your waterproof phone died, they'll say, "Mm, water resistant and water damage isn't covered, right? It's not a guarantee. Maybe the drive toward taking a port off is because as iPhone designers have been pushed to get more resilient, more rugged, more more uh, water resistance in them the phone. That what they said is look, if you want this to happen, that port has to go because the port is the biggest uh, ingress location on the device. So that at least seems like a plausible reason why they do this, rather than just sort of like the politics of we believe there should not be ports, right? Um, I don't know if that's enough. I don't know if that's sufficient for this, but that's the best I think I've come up with so far is uh, what if this is a truly waterproof phone that they can stand behind and say, we don't, um, you know, you, you can drop this in the toilet or the ocean or whatever, and it's fine. And we stand by that. Is complete
0: waterproofing that important that you would remove the ability to charge the phone with a cable?
1: I mean, a lot of people, I think there's a question about like how many people have to uh, f- replace their phones now versus when they drop them in a puddle or a toilet or whatever versus five years ago. And how dramatically less is that number than it used to be? Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to come up with a reason that is practical for why they would do this. Do, do you, you think do it, you have any other ideas? Practical? No, I
0: don't have a practical reason. I, yeah. I think the reason that they would do it if they would do it would be... Look how beautiful
1: it is. That's the pure aesthetic argument. Mm-hmm. That's the Johnny Ive argument. Or
0: there is a possibility that by removing other things that don't quote-unquote need to be there, it gives them more space inside of the phone to do other stuff, right? Which is the right. Which is the reason they got rid of their headphone jack. It was just so that they could do whatever it... Well, is the potential reason they got rid of their headphone jack is so they could use that space in other places. Um, and that this would allow them, again, to do that. Plus, because it, is, it isn't even a thing about proprietary anymore, because Qi is not proprietary, right? And that's right. all that would be left would just be Qi charging.
1: Well, not necessarily. Okay, so not necessarily. So let's talk about charging. Yeah, um, talk I want to talk charging. about data too, but let's talk about charging. So charging, everybody's like, oh, well, if they do this, there's the Qi chargers. Okay, a few things. First off, battery cases and external batteries mm-hmm. are... And and people using phones in places where a Qi charging service doesn't make sense. How do you handle that?
0: Well, my thing, I always go to planes. I always think about planes, right? Sure.
1: How do you charge your phone on a plane if there's no cable anymore? And how do you charge a phone on a plane or anywhere else where you need to charge and keep using your phone if you have to lay it down on a on a. A mat or Mm -hmm. or bring do you bring a little one of those little angled ones and set it up somewhere it just it doesn't track so unless there's a breakthrough in um inductive charging that means that you can now uh inductively charge from external batteries and battery packs and when you're sitting on a plane uh without uh without any trouble uh i think this is going to be an issue now i That is one of my theories, if we're we're stepping through all the points here to evaluate this thing. One of my theories is, what if Apple is not just doing Qi charging on a phone like this? What if there is another proprietary inductive charging technology, something that's more like a MagSafe connector? Or the Apple Watch charger. Or the Apple Watch charger, where they can be a little bit less... um, it's more efficient and therefore makes more sense because you can plug an apple watch charger into a battery pack and then just snap it on and it'll charge the apple watch Mm -hmm. um i I don't think it solves all of these issues but something that's more MagSafe like where it's essentially just like a little thing that attaches and it's like a cable because it is a cable it's just a it's just an inductive charge kind of thing or it's a direct connect but it's not a port um like you can you can toss that around a little bit and say okay well maybe but it it is a, a roadblock for something like this because if all it does is chi charging like the technology is just it's not very good plus what if you're the thing that happens to me all the time I have chi chargers at home and every now and then I look at my phone and like uh-oh my phone's down at 10% and I'm about to leave the house and plugging it in to a cable it's going to charge way faster than the chi charging so I will charge it that way in order to get it back up in terms of battery before I go, I haven't even mentioned that when I get in the car, I could also charge it there because I have USB in the car. But what if I can't do that? I also have CarPlay in the car and my CarPlay is USB only. So would they go to the, the, the point of invalidating all CarPlay models before like a year or two ago with new iPhones by doing this? Because that would be another thing. There's most CarPlay uh, still requires a wire. Like, what would you put in the box? What goes in the box to charge your phone? I mean, maybe one thing that could go, if if there is a magnetic thing that is not a Qi charger, or maybe it is, but let's say it's not. Let's Mm -hmm. say it's a MagSafe connector of some kind or something like that. That would be what would be in the box, right? Is there be like a MagSafe to USB-C, something like that? And you just bring the dongle with you? everywhere again not that it couldn't be done but you start to think about like what would be required to get to that point and it just it starts to get ugly like really fast i feel like this is going to be because
0: this would i remember these questions for the removal of the headphone jack right and it was mm-hmm. there was never a good reason which is something that they they did you know like apple had their reasons but they didn't communicate those with people um, like why they did it when they did and all that kind of stuff. And the reason that they did it when they did was because they needed it to be gone so they could fit the screen in the ten. That is my feeling, right? The way that they needed space in the iPhone ten, So they had to like stretch the screen around or whatever. So they ditched the headphone jack in the phone before it. So therefore the story of the iPhone 10 wasn't they removed the headphone jack. Right? There was no reason to remove the headphone jack in the iPhone 7 or whatever one it was. There's was, there was no reason, right? right? Like no they're one just they just did they're just, it then.
1: It was the sacrificial iPhone. It was the sacrificial so because the-
0: so they could they could steer the the headlines away from what they needed, which is the next year to have right. a big bang phone, and right. so like I'm thinking of well, is it something like this? Would they do it in 2021? Because there's something in 2022, but I can't wrap my head around the. The benefit, because you could say, like, you could make the cynical argument of like, oh, they just want to charge you more money. But Apple don't have a cheap charging solution, as we all well know, right? Air power doesn't exist, but also they would actually be moving from a closed ecosystem to a open ecosystem if Wireless charging was the primary way that you would charge this phone, which like, I would expect that even if they included something like a MagSafe connector, they would probably still be pushing people to use wireless charging because uh, you're not really making it seem much sexier. We just oh, it's just a different type of right. connector now right. that you can but, plug it into.
1: But are they going to put a wireless con- connector like charger in the box, or are they going to put a Magnetic, uh, you know, we've been calling it MagSafe. It's probably more accurate, and and this goes to the data part of it too. Probably more accurate to call this smart connector. Yes, V three, because, uh, and, and this is the thing. It's like smart connectors pins. You know, it's 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 magnetic connectors. You're you're not. It's not wi- a wireless technology, right? It's just a portless technology mm-hmm. because you're making that connection metal to metal, and magnets are being used to guide it. And that that is something they could do. Like they could they could have look at our new smart connector. It does power, it does data, and in the box they've got a smart connector charger that goes to USB C, uh, and they don't have to put a cheap charger in the box. Um, and they could do that, and that would solve potentially another problem, which is why I keep coming back to the idea that if they did this, they would have to do a smart connector. Is um, is survivability? of a bricked phone because that's the other piece of the puzzle here right is one of the ways i mean i don't transfer data over usb anymore i just use airdrop but i used to because it was so much faster but it's it's close enough and it's easy but like if you have a a dead phone that that you can bring it back to life by doing uh an unbrick that phone by attaching it to a mac and just uh completely wiping it and reinstalling the software. Uh, That's good for betas, especially, right? Like we do betas and like Apple Watch betas are much more dangerous than other betas because the Apple Watch can't be attached to a computer and fixed if if it dies. So if you had a data connection over that thing, that would be a way that you could do it because you got to have something right you got to have something in the iphone you can't just shrug and say if the iphone bricks take it to an apple store um there are other ways they could maybe do it using wireless technology but you're opening even more you know there there would be security issues let's put it that way because they would need uh, some way to put it in a mode where it starts up uh, independent of whatever is causing it to brick and it's looking for the right kind of wireless connection and then it's doing things it's like okay but now that's a whole new class of things you need to secure seems less likely um you know the point is not that apple couldn't do this because I, I i feel like we need to say that apple could do this we're also not saying that apple will do this we're just trying to like process this report from a fairly reliable source mm-hmm. i think though walking through it you have to start looking at all of the compromises that might need to be made and all the work that would need to be done to do it, and then once again ask the question, "Is it worth it what do you what is the benefit of this yeah and i can't see
0: it i don't see what the benefit is i don't see it like if what completely waterproofing is it like I just don't think. That is enough for most people. Like a completely waterproof phone, I think the people that need their phones to be completely waterproof are are already found other options. You know, you get a case that does it, or whatever. Um, I I just, I don't, I don't see it. I just, how much
1: do we really need that? I don't. Is it? Is it? I mean, they they might have the numbers about it, but there, you're right. There is a question, which is, is the pursuit of waterproofing as pointless as the pursuit of design perfection by not having any holes Mm -hmm. right like it does this really serve somebody or is it just a goal that you set for yourself i think i think more waterproofing is better i one of my big criticisms of apple and they brought this on themselves is they boast about that dust and water ingress protection but they won't stand by it because if again if your phone gets wet because it got dunked um it's your fault and you have to you have to pay for it like apple won't stand by it and so i can see apple saying look we need to get to the point where if somebody drops their phone we can stand by it it needs to be that rugged because phone phone ruggedness is top priority for apple and i can see that argument like having it what would be better than a phone that you could drop and it wouldn't hurt be hurt and that you could drop in the water and it wouldn't be hurt i don't think those are admirable but yeah if all of us have to pay this price where we're using even more kind of dongles and adapters for things um just to do it is that a is that a price worth paying that that said most of what we use an iphone for is wireless right we're, we're talking about more edge cases um although plugging into a battery or plugging into carplay is not quite an edge case that's 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 like the headphone jack, or actually worse than the headphone jack, because a lot of us have batteries on planes or are charging at, from a USB port, whether it's safe or not. Um, and that would all be like, nope, this needs a dongle now. That's that would be, it would be a big step. And what do we get out of it? I just, I don't think that
0: wireless charging has been around for long enough or is prevalent enough. To switch to this, like they like they did when they went to Bluetooth for headphones. Bluetooth for headphones, and there were good options for that for a long time before that we moved to discharge the thing. I just, for me personally, again presuming that this does happen, I do not think that the possibility for me to have my phone covered under a warranty for water damage, right, is enough for me to every single day have a more frustrating experience about how to charge mm. my phone. Because for me it is more yep. frustrating, right? Because like, for various reasons, it's much more comfortable for me to use a pop socket when I use my phone. That means I cannot use wireless charging without removing the pop socket every day, which is very frustrating. Uh, so I plug my phone in, and I'm very happy to plug my phone. And I have docks. I have a hope My home is full of cables that work with plugging my phone in, um, and great. And it works great for me. I don't feel like I need to. Make the change, but anyway. uh, Minchi Kuo's report also says that 2021 will see a follow-up to the iPhone SE, after all. A full screen, but no face ID. There will be Touch ID built into the power button. Um, And this also follows along with some other reports that Apple may be moving to releasing phones at two intervals in the year. Cheaper phones in H1 and Pro phones in H2. Which would be... Hmm interesting, right? Like, as a model. like, And I think that some of the rumors would suggest that, like, they would even, like, the iPhone, what would be the iPhone 11 would come out in the first half of the year. And then the more expensive phones come out in the second half of the year. And this could start as early as 2020 or 2021.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of the new SE. I think it's, the full screen thing is interesting because that means it is not a drop, you know, like a perfect match for the 8, right? It's it's more interesting than that. Um, I guess it would have no notch either, right? Or would it? Would it have a fake notch but no face ID? Well, I that think would it would have a
0: notch because it would have the earpiece and the camera in it. it. might be smaller, but I think it would have a notch.
1: Yeah, no, you might be right. And then... Um, and then Touch ID in a, in a different place. I don't know. This is a... It's an interesting idea. Changing the cadence is an interesting idea. Getting the... um, Having two phone releases a year, two marketing events, two different places, opportunities to market your phone. Like, their competitors do that. Samsung doesn't drop all of the galaxies at once, right? And Apple is great at marketing itself and drawing attention to itself. So... um. The the challenge is just to make it that the phones feel new, right? Like if the iPhone 11 came out before the iPhone 11 Pro, would it? You know, are you losing something by having them, you know, separated? Where it's you get two bumps, but neither of them is as big as the bump you get if you put them out together. It's an interesting marketing question for Apple how they want to do it. But I will say that their their uh, competition has managed to do pretty well uh separating their product release uh leases for phones yeah
0: all right this episode is also brought to you by id Tech. If your child has an okay tech learning experience, it might feel more like homework to them. But if they get a great experience, they might just find a passion that stays with them for the rest of their life. And igniting that fire is what ID Tech can do. Whether they're interested in coding, video game development, robotics, or video production, ID Tech can guide your child from casual tech explorer to college-bound pro. They have awesome instructors who transform a love of apps and video games, like Fortnite, into a foundation for college, internships, and dream careers in companies like Google and Disney. ID Tech was founded in Silicon Valley. Now they have programs at 150 prestigious campus destinations worldwide, from Caltech and NYU to Cambridge and the University of Hong Kong. Chances are you can find a location within driving distance. Just in the States, some of their campus destinations include Arizona, California, Indiana, Nevada, New York, Ohio, Texas. And many, many more. Your kids will have so much fun exploring their interests and building the STEM skills employers are desperate for. There are courses for all skill levels, from beginners and to advanced students. Everybody has a place to be challenged and grow with ID Tech. When you invest in your child today, tomorrow takes care of itself. So nurture their interests right now with help from ID Tech. Go to ID Tech dot com slash upgrade today to reserve your child's spot and receive $75 off. It's a great gift for the holidays. Now could be the time to do it. Go to idtech.com/upgrade for seventy five dollars off. Once again, that is idtech.com/upgrade. Our thanks to ID Tech for their support of this show, Embrylay FM. So Apple have announced via an email the orders for the Mac Pro and Pro Display XDR will be available on December 10th. I struggle with XDR. I keep wanting to say 10DR, which is hilarious, but <laughs> Apple did this to me. Uh, the Pro Display XDR will be available starting December 10th, so I would probably expect we'll see reviews this week because the product can be purchased this week. So, if- Yeah,
1: we'll, we'll see what the reviews are, right? Because if the iMac Pro is any indication... And this is a higher end product, even than the iMac mm-hmm. Pro. That Apple will not be doing its usual review program because mm-hmm. what Apple what Apple learned, and this this actually ties into the article I wrote on Macworld last week. What Apple wants to do is make it clear that a product that is for high end pros is not mismarketed and misunderstood by people who don't who don't live in that world. Like, and with the iMac Pro, that was definitely the message was we don't want regular reviewers to look at this because this is not a regular computer. We only want people who really get the needs of the high-end pros to even touch this thing. And so, you know, they ceded the iMac Pro to YouTubers. They also put it in a lot of like pro workflows and then used like had quotes or did interviews with, you know, or set up media interviews with the people who had been using it for a month in the background in secret, like to edit a project or to compose something or whatever it was. And they, they did a very different game plan on how to market that. I would imagine that's going to happen again. So will there be reviews this week? Yeah, but I, I would not be surprised if it's a lot of like a video editor's blog where he reviews his time with it and a, you know, stuff like that. With maybe some very handpicked uh, people who Apple thinks are trustworthy and understand what the high-end kind of pro market is, but I, I think it's going to be a really different kind of release. And, and I can say that just based on the iMac Pro. Um, like I reviewed the iMac Pro, and um, for MacWorld, and um, you know, Phil Schiller tweeted it out, which was cool. I, I think that was the first time I got one of those like Apple didn't give me an iMac Pro. I bought an iMac Pro because I wanted it and then I reviewed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, they didn't give me one. They're like, nope, there was no, no, not interested because, you know, I'm not a high end enough user, which I would argue because of all the audio stuff I do. Uh, but it's going to be like that. So it's going to be an interesting week, but but I think it's here. I think whoever is updating that, is it Mac Pro Day yet? Um, website, I think it's time, right? It's, it's, I guess we know now that tomorrow's Mac Pro Day.
0: So you wrote an article that you referenced on MacWorld, urging people to seriously consider making—no, wait, no, not making <laughs> these purchases. They to seriously consider before they buy if they actually should be buying a Mac Pro. Uh, was this a like a public service that you felt like
1: you <sighs> needed to provide? No. Look, I have to write fifty-two columns a year for <laughs> MacWorld. You no know, one knew you and, were going to say that, and and, and I'm like what what and then it hit me it's like okay the mac pro is coming out let's have the conversation that is essentially the conversation that i just described apple having in its pr planning mm-hmm. which is they really don't want to target this at regular people because it's not it's not for them like and and it and it doesn't do them a service because people will point and laugh at the $100,000 configuration. People will point and laugh at the $1,000 monitor stand on the $6,000 yeah. $5,000 monitor, right? Like it can't be judged in that way because no. it just looks bad. It's not for them. It's it, it's a, a cr- incredibly niche high-end product, which makes it pointless to
0: give to you. And if that's the mess- if the message they want to get out is to like it's a very specific message that they want to get out, giving it to you maybe isn't the right choice. I mean, I,
1: right? I well, me personally, I feel like I'm more qualified than a lot of reviewers to do it because I do the audio stuff and some video stuff, and so sure. I actually do max out my eight cores of my iMac Pro. But it still would be overkill. But at least I I have my writing about computers is not the part of my job. Yeah, but <laughs> that my expectation would require
0: it. The vast majority of reviews that we see are by YouTubers, video professionals. Yeah, right. because they so, are more in need of it.
1: So my point with the article I, I ended up writing was, I hear a lot of Mac Pro um, desire, let's say, from mm-hmm. people who don't need it, but they want it, and I didn't. I don't want to say, and, and I hope it didn't come across this way, because I my goal here is not to say, even if you want it, you shouldn't buy it, because what it says in the article is, look, if you want it, get it, but my point is don't fool yourself and say, you need this for your work <laughs> because you don't, you don't like if you need th- there was a time when the Apple's high end tower was for a huge chunk of the Mac market that the, the consumer stuff was really low powered. Like an iMac was for, it was like a toy <laughs> Like and everybody else used a power Mac. And then, then that became the Mac pro. But those days are over. Like the iMac is incredibly powerful. the The uh, Mac Mini can be configured to be quite powerful. There are pl- there is an iMac Pro. There are so many other options there that will get you something for a better price with better features that will get you what you want. So and. and- so I, I end up with this idea of like, there's people who want it because it's like it used to be. It's almost like nostalgia. Like back in the day, I bought a tower and an external monitor, and I don't want to buy a, an iMac because it's got its own monitor. I want an external monitor. It's like, what monitor are you going to buy for it? The iMac display is so good. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't want to give up my iMac monitor. And Apple is not making a, a an external monitor that's like the iMac 5K monitor. They're mm-hmm. not. So, like, then I'm getting a third-party monitor. It's like, you know, the iMac is a better deal. I get it. Like, maybe you absolutely can't have an iMac. Okay. But I see a lot of excuses that are like, well, this is like it used to be, and I want to do it again. And again, if, if you are buying a beautiful art object, you just want a beautiful Mac, and money is no object, and you're never going to use even a fraction of the power of it. But it's worth it to you because it looks great and it fits your lifestyle, that's great. It's like buying a luxury car. You don't need to buy a luxury car. Be clear that you don't need it. You just want it. And that's the difference. And I was happy because I was sort of thinking of John Syracuse while I was writing some of this. Sort of thinking? Come on. Um, I mean, I was I was thinking of other people too, <laughs> not just John Syracuse. Uh, but, you know, he said on ATP last week, he said, I don't need it. I don't need it. I want it. And it's like, mm-hmm. yes, that is the right answer, right? Like, just be clear. And so I thought it was, I thought it was interesting... Uh, and worth writing about this whole thing that even Apple is steering this away from most people because it's not for most people, and that um, that people should give it a give it a think, <laughs> because you don't want this. Like, I, of course, there are always exceptions, and when you say you shouldn't buy it, somebody says, "Well, actually, I need it because I." I had a guy who said, "I need it because I need to have." I need to attach like 30 USB-C devices at once and I need card slots to do that because their hubs don't exist. I'm like, okay, yes, you need to spend $6,000 and then buy a whole bunch of cards that give you USB-C ports. Um, That is an edge case. But yes, I give you, I I, I made the the hand signs. I give you the special dispensation. Go forth and uh, buy a Mac Pro.
0: You have been granted.
1: (laughs) Yes, go forth, buy a Mac Pro with my blessings. But, you know, mostly it's silly like this is overkill it's just overkill and if you want overkill great go buy it it's your money but um you know let's just be clear this product is not meant it's not meant for almost anybody (laughs) and that's not a failing of it it's designed that way it is the halo car as john syracuse keeps calling it like it is it is an important symbol This is my larger point in the article. The Mac Pro is very important because it's a symbol of Apple's commitment to pros, of Apple's commitment to the Mac. Uh, It's, I think, a symbol of Apple's re-engagement with the Mac after it kind of lost that engagement. It's this re-establishing of ties. I think that's all great. You know, but the symbol... Don't buy the symbol, right? Like you, you the, the Halo car, you're like, wow, Company X makes a great Halo car. I'm going to buy the, the cheap sedan that Company X makes because I'm not going to buy that. I'm going to buy this. I, most people, you can get excited about it because what it means about Apple's commitment to the Mac is great. But don't buy it. Like it's not for you. It's not for you. And save your money unless you don't care <laughs> because you just want it because it's cool. And that's fine. It's fine. I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not trying to judge somebody who wants a cool car because it's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. I have seen a little bit of a streak among people of like, well no, no, I need it. I need it. I need the expandability. Do you? Most people don't. Maybe you do. Maybe you're the guy with the 30 USB C ports, but most people don't need expandability. You can expand outside
0: of the case of the computer, it's not a problem. Like you can
1: do it. Like it's fine. And that goes to the nostalgia part of it, which is yeah. I do absolutely sense that there is a group of people who are like I don't want external. I don't want everything in, in, internal. And John yeah. Syracuse is a little bit like this too, where it's like, no, no, external is bad and internal is the only way to go. Nobody really, like expandability exists on the outside now in, on modern computers. That's just what it is. Again, there are going to be very specific reasons where uh, putting in a card or something like that is a better choice. Absolutely, there are always going to be exceptions to the rule. But I get a little tired of people who, their argument seems to be, well, we didn't do it in the old days, so the old ways are best. <laughs> it's like, eh, the world changed, the world moved
0: on. Do you think that there is uh, an element of that in, in among, amongst a lot of people who have it... Like They're just used, they're like, conditioned in their mind that they need or want to have the most powerful machine so they would always get the Mac Pro, even though now, these days, the most powerful machine that Apple makes is more power than most people will need because the iMac Pro exists.
1: Yeah, the the root of the the root of the whole thing is it used to be that you bought the the high-end Mac because you needed that power because the lower-end Macs didn't have it. And we left that era a long time ago. Like it's not new. The Mac Pro, back when it was a cheese grater the first time, was constantly being pushed upward and upward and upward in terms of specs and price to a narrower and narrower band of, of high-end users. That was, this is not new. This has been going on this whole um, century, basically, <laughs> um, it, 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 that push upward. And with it has come the capability of laptops and iMacs to handle the load for even pros like iMac Pro, but honestly, even the regular iMac well, is the powerful Pro enough now. for most people, and the MacBook Pro for the sure. So, yeah. So I I I just I think it's fascinating. I don't think I'm going to change anybody's minds, but I did I did want to kind of snap out of it kind of moment of like, you know what, you don't need it. If you want it, that's fine. But you you really don't need it. And somebody mm-hmm. who's seriously considering like, should I get the Mac Pro? Because I can use that power, it's like, no. Like, almost certainly no. The people who are going to buy it know why they're going to buy it. And for everybody else, it's like, save your money unless you really just want it because it's cool. Because it is. It's got a stainless steel frame and aluminum uh, skin, and it is awesome looking. And you can put wheels on it and roll it around. You can ride it around. Put a small animal on it and push it around the house. You can do that, but... Uh, this is a Mac for what would you mm-hmm. say? 0.01% of the market, if that.
0: To quote Kanye West, and I apologize for the single gendering in this quote no one man should have all that
1: power. It's too much. All right. It's too much. <laughs> That's right. So Stephen Hackett um, will get one of these. He will, I guarantee it. Oh, I am hopef- hopefully, Hopefully, not until about 2025. I don't think he'll be able to. You can that add long. it to his old Mac collection. I don't think he'll be able to win it long. Um,
0: I think this is the perfect thing to talk about today before Mac Pro Hysteria sits in tomorrow. I'm pleased that we were able to get the show out before the Mac Pro is like completely unveiled to the world. We got to get in first and be like, please, everyone, <laughs> just think about it. I mean, don't and also so- we're talking about the Mac Pro here, but even amongst Mac Pro buyers don't buy the display.
1: Yeah, well, that is that is also true, right? I
0: understand it, but that is so much for most people.
1: I think even if you talk to Apple about it, I think if you talk to Apple people behind the scenes, they would probably tell you, yeah, like the display is even less applicable than the Mac Pro. Because the Mac Pro itself
0: if you do have very specific needs that can be served by it, you can configure it and build it to be the machine that you want it to be to it's meet true. your needs. The Pro Display XDR...
1: Like nobody should buy that display. And, it, and the, the shame it, of it, it is people is are going to buy it because it looks like it. Yeah. yeah,
0: that that's the problem. It is, But it is built to do what it is supposed to do, which is to compete with these incredibly expensive displays. It
1: is a $40,000 monitor for $6,000. But you know yeah. what? You don't need a $40,000 monitor. No. <laughs> I know it's not fun. Like again, if if it brings you joy and you have the money, great. Go but for it. I, 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 yeah. But the, it's just it's a whole lot that's not. I, I don't know what the last thing I wrote in the Mac World piece is. It's it it's a symbol, but it's also a status symbol. Mm-hmm. And if you want to buy a status symbol, if it makes do you happy it. to have a, an yeah. expensive computer, do it. I'm mm-hmm. not saying don't do it, but I am saying. Um, I think it's healthier to just admit (laughs) that you're doing it because it's cool and that you don't need it. And that just let go of the fantasy that you actually need it. Because you don't, nobody does.
0: I can extend this to myself. I don't need an iMac Pro. Like really on a daily basis. I, I could be fine with a regular iMac. I wanted the iMac Pro. That was what I wanted. That was the decision that I made to spend more money than I needed to to get the computer that I desired rather than the computer that I needed. I wanted it, but I don't want it like £15,000 want it, which is what I would probably be in to get myself a Mac Pro and a a display. You know, don't want it that much. So just think about it. (laughs) And if anybody buys one in Europe, I want to know where it says it was made. So I, I will say to the Upgradians out there, if you're not in America and you buy one of these, take a picture of where it says it's assembled because I am convinced that they're not assembled in America and I just want to know if that's the answer. <laughs> so if any Upgradian out there does this and can show me, I will very happily, uh, very happily do that. I'm very happily receive that. I'm sure I can come up with some kind of bounty. But I, I just I can- need to know that information.
1: Mike needs to know. So that seen there, now you need it for your work. Oh, so I have to buy one now cuz I need it for follow up. Oh, no, the no somebody else could buy it cuz the they need to they need to help Mike. This it's <laughs> the most expensive way to get yourself mentioned on upgrade ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I guess so.
0: All right, today's show is also brought to you by Eero. If you're binge watching your favorite shows from anywhere of your house and want to do it without interruption, you need Eero. Eero blankets your whole home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi eliminating poor coverage, dead spots buffering so you can consistently have the best signal wherever you need it. Eero is the Wi-Fi that your home deserves. There is an all new Eero starting at just $99. It sets up in minutes. You plug it straight into your modem or router box and you're ready to go. You can manage it from a super simple app which lets you do cool stuff like pause the Wi-Fi while you're all eating dinner, getting alerts if your device any device tries to join your network, so you
1: know. Aero can fix all of your Wi-Fi problems. Jason, did it fix yours? Of course it did. I, I spread them out throughout my house, and now I've gone from having weird dead spots and places where they drop. I can sit in the backyard. Um, I can have a camera in the uh, front of the house. And... I can have my uh, irrigation controller on the side of the house that's far away from all networking and they're all on the Wi-Fi now and I don't even think about it anymore. You can get
0: your Wi-Fi fixed as soon as tomorrow by going to Eero.com slash ahoy and using the code Ahoy at checkout to get free overnight shipping with your order. That's E-E-R-O.com slash ahoy. Code Ahoy to get your Eero delivered for free overnight shipping. You must use this URL, so I'll give it to you one last time. Eero.com slash ahoy, code ahoy a h o y. A thanks to Eero for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So now we will do some hashtag ask upgrade questions. And the first one today comes from Kevin. The two of you have mentioned that you have stereo HomePod setups. What is their positioning? Are they arranged near each other or are they on the other
1: sides of the room? Well, for me, it is on opposite. My, so my living room slash dining room slash kitchen is a single long room. So I have the speaker's sort of in the middle of it on opposite sides of the, the narrow width. So there's one on top of the piano and there's one on an end table. So there's um there's separation. But they're they're across from each other, which does mean that if you're on one side of the room the stereo effect is backward. You're behind the music. Hmm. Um and if you're on the other side then then you know left is right and right is right. Left is right and right is left. The other one left is left and right is right. So you know, whatever. But I like Got it. It's good. It fills minute. the room uh
0: but it's fine. Um so mine uh I have it set up to be like peak positioning for television watching. Uh so we have our t- like so we have our TV in front of us and we have our sofa and I have the home pods set on either side of the sofa. We have quite a large sofa and I have them set on either side. So when we're watching television shows, we get the stereo and we totally do like I was watching the show I was watching a show last night. I was watching The Crown and uh, one of the characters called out and it only came out on the left home pod, and I turned around and looked at it. I was like, oh, <laughs> so it works. It's great. It's and I love it for that. Holly Zard asks, how do you uh, quote unquote correctly open and pull out each AirPod from its AirPro Pro case? So you want to open the lid, but then do you pull out from the ear tip side? So the little silicone part or from the plastic bulge opposite of the ear tip?
1: um well we already it determined one at a time and from the bulge yeah it's from the plastic part
0: that's how i go to i don't pull out from the the silicone part that seems way more difficult don't do that don't do that yeah don't do that i feel like you should touch that part as little as possible anyway i feel like i don't know if it's like a crazy germs thing but just don't touch it uh jim asks how do you use instagram on your ipad pro because of course there is no app uh, i added it to my home screen uh, using because you can uh, it, instagram has a pretty good web app that if you uh, try to you, you know when you do that thing the sweet solution thing where you can uh, add a web site to your home screen right and it'll create a little icon uh, you can do that, and with some advancements made in iOS 12, it makes those look like apps. So if you save uh-huh. an, a, a web page to your home screen, when you open it, it doesn't have any of the Safari controls anymore, so it kind of looks like an app. But is having problems refreshing the content. I have noticed this myself. There are two things you can do. So if you do use this, this is the way to use Instagram on the iPad, by the way, because yeah. don't use the iPhone app because it's horrible. Uh, Command R, if you're using a keyboard, will refresh the page. Um, other than that, just try tapping the Instagram logo to, like as if it's like a website. Um, other than that, force quitting it should kick it back into, uh, into use again. But I have had this happen to me and I don't understand why that is. But if you're using a keyboard, Command R will do it for you. Okay. Marlon asks, I feel like I'm the only person that I know that dislikes dark mode. It's difficult for my eyes to adjust and they feel more strained than just using true tone. What is the hype? So my question will be more, do you use dark mode, Jason? Do you like it? If not, why
1: not? I use it on iOS and I think I have it set to turn on in, in dark conditions. Okay. And that's mostly because I think when things are, um, when things are dark, and it's nighttime. It is nicer mm-hmm. to have the the black background and the and the white. Um, I I suspect one of Marlin's reactions here is because, you know, it's not black on white, right? Like dark mode is mostly kind of gray on dark gray on light gray, mm-hmm. and and I don't love it because I think that the the contrast is sometimes not enough. And that the black on white is much higher contrast tends to be than the other way around. And low contrast is not great, depending on the color choices. And I think a lot of stuff isn't contrasty enough, but I do like it. I have moments where it's a particularly dark morning and I'm looking at an app uh, and there's not a lot of light in the house yet, And but it's sunrise. And so it flips it over into light mode and I don't like it. Like I have that moment where I'm like, ah, it's, it's too much. Um, because it's still pretty dark out. So, uh, so yeah, I use it a little bit, but I don't. I don't love it. I and on the Mac, I don't use it at all. Old dark
0: mode all the time on everything. Oh boy!
1: Wow. Okay. I even use my Mac. do you need it for your work mode. or is it just a uh, symbol it's
0: personal preference I, I just prefer applications with dark modes anyway I have for a long time um, and when iOS gave it's like all apps that do it automatically will set it for me if I've set it myself I'll set it myself I just prefer dark UI I don't I couldn't tell you why it is. It's not an OLED thing because I do it on my iPad too. Um, I do it on my iMac as well. I just prefer dark UI to uh, bright UI. Um, I've been, and I've been this way for a long time, like from when applications first started doing dark modes, like Twitter applications, like Tweetbot and stuff. I always went to the dark mode. I, I just prefer dark with light text than light with dark text. That's just my personal preference.
1: All right. And finally today, Andy asks, Jason, do you have a favorite cookie recipe? I do. I will put a link in the show notes to the ginger molasses cookies that I've made the last few years, which are basically out of the uh, blue bottle coffee. And, uh, they are great. They have a huge amount of ginger in them. They are definitely better after they've sat for a day. I'd say for the, the, the flavors to kind of fully permeate permeate and for them to cool off entirely. Um, they are, uh, I can't eat them anymore <laughs> oh. because they use, uh, they use flour and I don't get to have wheat anymore in my life. Uh, I am currently planning on, I bought all the ingredients actually, workshopping some new ginger cookies because I love Ooh. ginger and I love ginger cookies. But for those of you who can still eat uh, glutinous things, check out the ginger molasses cookies. They are uh, great. They're very serious, very serious. One of the reasons glasses. I included this, because we've spoken about this cookie
0: before, we have a joint love for this cookie, because I love the Blue Bottle cookie. They do not make it anymore. Oh, interesting. So I think out of respect to you, uh, when you went gluten-free, uh, they stopped serving your favorite cookie in Blue Bottle.
1: Yeah. I've never actually had it in Blue Bottle. I just make it myself. But yeah. yes. But now they so. don't. Do,
0: they replaced it with something else, which I don't. I think it's a chocolate cookie, which is not as good. It's just not and as you- good.
1: You will need a lot of ginger. It it is a spectacular amount of grated fresh ginger that goes into these things. But it's so good, so good. I miss them.
0: If you'd like, to I hope you can work out something. Uh, for for for, I'll, a I'll find a version. replacement. I've got some. I've got some things that I'm going to try. So the we'll ginger is the key thing, right? Just like yep. just put a bunch of ginger in something and have that instead. Whatever. Sure, it is. Just, just eat the ginger, frankly. Just yeah. Stuff it into some gluten free bread. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> If you want to send in a question to finish up the show, you have a question answered, you need some help, maybe you want to get our favorite recipes, hashtag AskUpgrade. You just send out a tweet with that hashtag and it will be included. Don't forget to submit your nominations for the 2019 Upgradies. by going to vote and filling out the form there. If you want to find Jason online, sixcarlos.com. He's at Jason now, double on Twitter. I am at I Mike, I M Y K E. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, Eero, ID tech and express VPN. And we'll be back next week. Until then say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, everybody.